This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, Episode 322, Navigating the Underwriting Tunnel of Chaos with Amanda Neely. Traditional financial planning is no longer working. And in the new normal economy, your host, certified financial planner Mark Willis, invites you to join us as we engage the new and improved steps for establishing financial sanity. Be curious, be stable, be sane. This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode. I want to paint a picture in your mind here for a minute. Imagine you've always dreamed of going to Paris. This is maybe the city where your grandparents met and fell in love. You inherited their old photo album filled with pictures of them smiling and maybe kissing in front of the Eiffel Tower, the Louvre, Notre Dame. They were kissing all over the place. And maybe you promised yourself that one day you'd follow in their footsteps and experience the magic of Paris for yourself. You've saved up, finally, enough money to buy a ticket for a direct flight from Chicago to Paris. You've packed your bags, your passport, camera, photo album. You're ready to embark on this trip of a lifetime. You get to the airport early. You're feeling nervous, excited. You check your luggage, go through the security. You get on the plane. You're ready. You buckle up and wait for the announcement. And then you hear a loud bang coming from the front of the plane. You see sparks flying from one of the wings. The pilot comes on the intercom and says there's been a major mechanical failure and they have to abort the takeoff. You feel a jolt as the plane stops abruptly and you hear sirens, fire trucks approaching. The pilot says everyone has to get off the plane. So you grab your carry-on bag. You follow the instructions. You slide down the emergency chute even and you walk back to the airport. You're unhurt, but you're scared and disappointed. You wait in the terminal for hours hoping to get another flight, but then you hear another announcement. Due to an air traffic control strike in France, all the flights have been canceled indefinitely. You're heartbroken from all this. So you try to get a hotel nearby, but they're all full. You end up sleeping on a couch in the airport lounge. Haven't we all done that? Hoping tomorrow will be better. You wake up early, feeling sore, thirsty. You check the status of your flight and see that it's been rescheduled for later in the evening. You wonder if this is all a sign that you're not meant to go to Paris at all. You wonder if you should just give up on your dream and go back home. But then, you remember why you wanted to go to Paris in the first place. You remember how much your love for your grandparents brought you to this point. You remember how much you want to honor their memory, their legacy. You remember how much you want to see Paris with your own eyes, feel its charm, its beauty. You decide not to let anything or anyone stop you from fulfilling this dream. You decide to stay hopeful, positive, and you keep going, hoping to reach your destination sometime. And you look down at your phone and you check your flight. And wait a minute, hey, a new flight is boarding soon, so you grab your bag, head to the gate, you smile and think maybe this is just the beginning of an amazing adventure. You get on your plane, buckle up, and wait for the announcement to take off. This time, everything goes smoothly, the plane lifts off, and you look out the window, and before long, you see that wonderful Eiffel Tower. You're on your way to Paris. Very cool, right? This is exactly how it can feel when you're going through a well, maybe not quite how it feels, but pretty close to how it can feel to go through the life insurance underwriting tunnel of chaos. I know this is a big right turn from going to Paris, but it's true. Getting a bank on yourself type life insurance policy can feel like a magical trip to another world. You know, living out the dreams of your ancestors and, and leaving money for many others in the future. But getting a bank on yourself designed life insurance policy requires 
underwriting. And that process of underwriting can feel like a a, a real tunnel of chaos sometimes. Uh, and it, it can feel like those who have bank on yourself designed policies are in some sort of secret club that only a few people can enter. In fact, life insurance underwriting can be a maze of paperwork, medical exams, chasing down doctors, a lot of uncertainty. And of course, the waiting. The waiting can be the hardest part. But what if I told you that the qualifications for membership in this secret club might not be as strict as you think? On today's episode, we're going to be exploring the fascinating world of underwriting and debunking the myths that hold so many people back from getting their policies. We'll be diving deep into the complex process of uncovering myths and misconceptions that surround this underwriting process, the process in between learning about Bank on Yourself and actually starting it. We're breaking down the barriers. We're going to be shedding light on the underwriting tunnel of chaos, as I like to call it. So get ready to challenge your assumptions, and let's discover a whole new world of possibilities. We might even be speaking French by the end of this episode. You never know. So today we're joined by an expert in the field. She's a colleague who's been on this show several times, and she's been certainly one of my favorite people to get to work with in the Bank on Yourself arena. Uh, Her name is Amanda Neely. She's a certified financial planner. She's an author of the brand new book just recently published called Five Smooth Stones, and I highly recommend it. It's not just a book. It's a journal toward financial wholeness and security. So please make sure to check out her book, Five Smooth Stones. We'll discuss that toward the end as well. So again, Amanda Neely, a Bank on Yourself professional and certified financial planner, she'll be going through this topic of underwriting and digging into how exactly you can make it more of a grease slide and less of a tunnel of chaos. Take it away, Amanda. Amanda Neely, you are back and I'm so glad you are. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me, Mark. Always great to be here. So, you know, we had a, we've had a number of conversations and every one of my conversations with you, I'm left with two things, uh, a smile on my face and new wrinkles in my brain because you're always getting me thinking and smiling. Um, but I want to have a conversation with you, kind of a frank conversation that you and I were having offline. And you were sort of expressing almost a uh, a grievance or a frustration that you have found in your discussions with clients and, and potential clients that you work with. First of all, maybe just tell us a bit about your background and now what you do for work and, and, your, and the career that you love. And then two, tell us this grievance that I kind of laid out for the audience. Yeah. So I've always wanted to make the world a better place and, you know, make that positive difference in the world. And I've tried that in a bunch of different ways. But what I found is that when I started thinking about business and how money is, you know, kind of the power source of the world, what better way to make a positive difference in the world than by transforming how money works in people's lives and their stories with money and how they're utilizing it to better their financial futures. And it's been really fulfilling to do this now for over five years and see that it's making a real difference. You know, the difference that it made in my life as a client of yours, Mark, and as a bank in yourself revolutionary was transformative. And I've just gotten to continue that transformation for others. Awesome. Now I don't I don't know if I would have stepped into the arena had I known how controversial the financial services industry is, how many people have very strong opinions out there. And but the thing that probably 
gets to me most is the wide misconceptions about this thing called life insurance. And I know the most recent one of the hundreds we could probably talk about is a lot of misconceptions around who can qualify for life insurance and what that means. Yeah. So what do you mean qualify? First of all, describe that process for us. Can't everyone just get a policy? I Yeah, this is one of those things that's a little bananas is you could walk down the street and buy a lotto ticket or, you know, a big hunk of gold or some worthless cryptocurrency. No one's going to stop you. But if you want to add this financial product called life insurance to your portfolio, you actually have to qualify for it with your health. Sometimes you don't have to do a, a health exam. There are some you know programs out there that you can get a policy without one, but the some of the best policies you do have to give blood, <laughs> maybe a urine sample. You got to answer a lot of financial questions. They might even ask for some of your medical records. It's a whole, you know, jumping through hoops and trying to figure out if if you can be approved and at what rating and all these questions that uh, lie there. And some people just assume that they're not going to qualify and they count themselves out. Who are some of those people that just sort of assume that they're not going to qualify? Yeah. For some, it's they have too many birthday candles on their birthday cake. So they think they're too old. For some people, they think they're too young. For some people, they think they're too healthy. For other people, that they're not healthy enough. Um, for some people, they might have a, uh, a pre, pre-condition, right, that maybe uh, comes into to the into view um, into their minds. You know, maybe they've had cancer or a heart attack before or something like that. Just this past few months, I got to work with someone who is transgender. And it was really easy to get them life insurance, actually not even a problem where that individual didn't know that they thought for the longest time they couldn't get life insurance or that it would be too difficult. And it was super easy, so much fun. Mm -hmm. And then I heard from another individual that they had been told by two different life insurance agents that their wife could not get life insurance because she's pregnant. And I'm like, I've had... Pregnant women get life insurance before. I've that's not been a problem. I I know this is not true, and it was so much fun to be like. Um, not only can she get life insurance, but she can get the best health rating still, and it can be lots of fun. And so, why not? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you made a good point to me uh, earlier that she's healthy enough to conceive a child and carried it around like. Not everybody's healthy, healthy enough to do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can think of at least half the population that can't do that. So that's phenomenal. And you're right. Helping bust those myths, I think, gives a lot of people, I think, freedom. What is it about it, uh, about us that, well, one, I want to step back for a minute. It is very interesting to me that we are not just handed life insurance as an asset class, like you would be able to open a savings account today. I can walk into any bank I want to and open a savings account with almost no questions asked. But there's something about life insurance that not only the health side, but there is some financial details that they want to check on first too. That says something about how valuable this asset is. You can't just stumble into it blindly. It's kind of like getting a mortgage, except in reverse. In this case, you're getting the guaranteed growth rather than getting a guaranteed debt on your mortgage balance. So 
you know, do you think there's something to that, Amanda, that that the harder it is to get something, sometimes the better it is for us? I like a part of me is like, yeah, sure, that that sounds good. Uh, but I also know there's some things that are really hard to get that I wouldn't want. <laughs> so wouldn't want. yeah, it's not yeah. a it's not a um it's not a mutually exclusive or it's not it's not one does not follow the other. Yeah. But at least it's a breadcrumb that says something is going on here that you know, we should work for it. If we, if we truly, I tell folks all the time, do not apply for this policy unless you're pretty sure you want to do something with it because applications can be kind of onerous. Now you've just kind of busted some myths on the underwriting and who could qualify for it, Amanda. And thank you for doing that. What's it like actually going through underwriting for you as the, as the agent and the certified financial planner who's helping and then I want to ask another question about what it's like for the applicant as well. But what's it like for you uh, as you help people through the underwriting tunnel of chaos? Yeah, sometimes we say tongue in cheek that this is the favorite part of our job. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I will say one of my favorite parts of the job here in a second. But we get to you know fill out an application, help schedule medical exams, and then we're the liaison between the client and the life insurance company. We represent the client the person applying for the life insurance to the life insurance company. We can't lie. You know, we have to tell the truth to them, but we still, we fight for and advocate for our clients. And, you know, that's led to some really awesome things. Someone had been declined for life insurance before because they thought she had a hereditary disease, but she was adopted and she had put on her, that previous application, her adoptive father's hereditary condition that she could have never gotten. So we got to clear that up and advocate on her behalf and get her approved. That's what we get to do. And sometimes it's frustrating, like, oh, they they have this question again, right? They they need these medical records again. But here's what's the most fulfilling. What you know, one of my favorite parts of the job, I get to call people up and tell them how great of health they're in and that they got approved. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that better than standard rates. I got to make two of those phone calls just today, and it's something I look forward to because I get to give them that great news, help them celebrate, and now let's better your financial future with that amazing news. And what about when they don't have great health? You know, not all of us do. So what's that conversation like? If they get approved, but let's say there's a heavy consideration or rating on their policy, what do you say? How do you mitigate that as a bank on yourself professional? Yeah, it's... um. I'm a, too much of a perpetual optimist. So I share the the news, right? Not what we had hoped for. And then I get as quickly as possible into, okay, what do we do with this? How do we re-strategize? One of the things I love about life insurance is that someone can be an owner with someone else as the insured. So let's say they got a complete decline. They can't move forward with themselves as the insured. We start talking about who else could be the insured for them. Mm -hmm. And they could have the exact same policy or maybe even a better policy than what we applied for because of that other insured or we start talking about, you know, if they don't have another insured, maybe another financial product like a fixed index annuity that can have a death benefit, but it can also provide them the income they're looking for, right? We start to get into what are the other things we should look at as soon as possible after we get over that hurdle. Okay. Do you have any examples of someone who was declined, but ended up still owning a policy? Yeah, especially uh, when we apply with a husband and wife and we know one of the spouse uh, has some kind of medical condition, we will often apply for double on on both spouses just to see what would happen with the idea that maybe we'll only do, you know, 
like let's say it's one and one, we'll apply two for both. And then if one got declined as now to zero, we can do two on the other one. Or if they both get approved, we can do one and one. One thing that comes up is maybe it's not a decline. Maybe it's just a less than standard rating. A table rating is what they're sometimes called. We'll talk about, well, how do we change this? Do we still do one and one? Do we do, you know, 0.5 and 1.5? Like how, how do we adjust this to make sure that it's going to accomplish your goal still and still protect each other and yourself for things like the accelerated death benefit if that, that need arises as well? Yeah, there was a recent couple who went through underwriting together and their plan was to put a large chunk of money that they were receiving from a business deal into their policy as a single premium. And they were going to take that money, split it between husband and wife. Well, the husband, unfortunately, was not approved. So we simply just doubled what was going on to the single premium of the wife. And they still both own the policy together. It's 50-50. So they can still use the policy as they wish for all of their investment needs. Easy enough. Uh, and then you mentioned like a table rating. And, and that's something where it's you get approved, but the insurance company... Uh, has some concern. And so you're maybe uh, from their perspective, more of a risk to pass away before you're expected to than your typical average Joe. So in that case, I'm maybe a perpetual optimist too, Amanda, but what I tell folks, and I think I'd like to share with the audience now is, hey, look, everyone pays a different ticket price to get on the airplane. There is first class, there's coach, and then there's the folks sitting right next to the back of the airplane bathroom. And there's different prices for all of these tickets. But once you're on that airplane, you're flying to your destination. We all go to the same destination once you have a ticket to fly. So take that ticket. Once you're seated on the airplane, the nice thing is you can be upgraded to first class. And that metaphor holds true with the life insurance too. You might get a health rating today and then improve your health in the future, God willing. And then you can upgrade your health rating to remove the expense of that table rating, whatever you might've gotten. And just to kind of share a quick story about this, Amanda, maybe you've got one to share too. We had someone who he smoked a cigar on the day of his daughter's birth. Okay. Good for him, <laughs> but that gave him a smoker's rating, which is an expense added to the life insurance. And of course he was upset about that, but we took the policy and thankfully he went through underwriting again the following year for free and got to improve his health and his table rating of being a smoker is gone now on his life insurance and the policy is growing because he's he took that policy in the first place. He's on his airplane, he's on the destination, he's headed towards where he needs to go, and he was upgraded to first class. Any examples of something like that in your stories there, Amanda? My favorite example is someone who has actually postponed for, she wasn't declined, they just said, we can't offer you insurance now, but we can in a year. And we stayed in touch throughout that year. She had a great year in business. Things went super well with her checkups, with her regular doctor, those kind of things. And then we applied a year later and she got the best health rating. Mm, cool. That's awesome. So much fun. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, you know, it, it reminds me that there are a lot of, there are a lot of uh, steps to go through the underwriting process. Is there anything that people listening here who might be going through underwriting 
can learn from you on, Amanda. Are there any pro tips to help expedite processes or anything like that? Yeah, actually, I have a personal story with this one. I was recently applying for a new policy. I had been using a direct primary care physician rather than a traditional medical practice. And so they needed some medical records. And those are going to be a little harder to get in the direct primary care world. And Mm -hmm. what I love, though, about that world is I'd built a great relationship with my medical professional. Would you mind just in a minute or so, what is direct primary care? Yeah, so it is. I work directly with a medical professional, in my case, a nurse practitioner. I get to spend as much time as I want with her, not on a 15-minute clock, and we build a great relationship that's a lot more preventative and, you know, maintenance of health rather than just, you know, I I got the flu, I need, you know, antibiotics or something like that, and I pay her directly rather than going through health insurance to to have mm-hmm. that relationship. And so I was because we had that great relationship, I just sent her a quick message and said, Hey, I need my medical records, send them all to me. <laughs> and she sent them, you know, I, I securely sent them over, password protected. I downloaded them, sent them straight into the life insurance company. But there was one thing I had to do at another medical practice that wasn't included in those records. And so they were going to have to like go through what's called an attending physician statement to get my medical records from that other place. And I I had never actually gotten the report that they were looking for, so I didn't have it. I was super frustrated. I actually spent a good time sleuthing, trying to figure out where are these medical records, where can they go, wasn't finding any results. So all I did was pick up the phone and call the actual doctor's office that I had walked into talked with the nice people there and said, how do I get these records? They're like, oh yeah, it's right here in your file. I can upload it to your MyChart account right now. And I had the the information in 10 seconds Sweet. with a quick phone call. And that could have taken six weeks or more for this medical people, records people to talk to those medical records people and all the, the hoopla that goes on with those things. And I was able to get it that quickly, download it from MyChart, send it in to the life insurance company. And I was approved very quickly thereafter. Well, congratulations uh, on the approval and also the new policy. That's awesome. Yeah, that does, I can say with confidence, when the patient of the clinic or the hospital calls, they pay more attention than when, you know, just some random dude at the insurance company, because the life insurance company is going to need those medical records. And so they've tasked somebody just out of college, probably, just dial in all day long, these different hospitals and doctor's offices. And that's one more thing for a front staff person who's already overworked to have to go do and go get. But when the paying patient, Amanda, in this case, calls up, it's a quick, oh yeah, it's right in your my chart and off, off it goes. That's really cool. Love it. And you know, why is it that we need medical information with life insurance? This is sometimes a question I get. And I guess I'll throw this out there, Amanda. I don't want to get your feedback on how you would answer that. It's insurance, so that's covering a risk. But you think about all other kinds of insurance, fire insurance, auto insurance, health insurance. All of those are designed to pay a possible claim, a possible risk that could possibly not happen. My house might not burn down. I hope it doesn't. But life insurance is the only insurance that's guaranteed to pay a claim someday. And so because of that, there is a obvious liability to the insurance company that says, all right, we are going to pay the family of Amanda Neely X dollars someday, many decades from now, 
and they can actually, they can't know Amanda's day particularly, but they can say, all right, we can get down to a, a, you know, a couple of days for a large group of people, Amanda's age, let's say. So there is a obligation that this insurance company is on the hook for to cover that eventuality. And it's a hundred percent guaranteed that all of us are going to graduate, move to the other side of the grass, so to speak. So there is obviously a need for them to check out our medical background and everything. You know, it's, it's just a strange thing for a lot of people when they think, all right, I need to save for retirement. Oh, I need to give a blood sample. That does not compute to most people. Amanda, you know, I'm not sure there's a question in there, but why don't you, I'll pass the ball over to you. What would you add to that? The, the thing that I love about this that I uh, have to remind myself sometimes is that these life insurance companies have been paying dividends every single year for over a hundred years. Some of them, you know, getting up closer to 140, 150 years. And they've done that because they've been a little picky of who they do business right. with. Mm-hmm. And it's actually my dividends that I'm receiving, my clients' dividends that they're going to hopefully be receiving. You know, they're not guaranteed. There is the guaranteed side too, but I want them to get those dividends too. And so I want the life insurance company to operate on our benefit, right? They're mutual life insurance companies. They have to operate on the policyholder's benefit first. And so I want them to be a little picky and who they will do business with, whose premiums they will take. And so if that means they have to be a little picky with me and I have to jump through a couple extra hoops, I'm willing to do that because I know that that's what their financial strength is built on. And it's my future that's at risk. Well, well said. Yeah. You don't want a come one, come all insurance company, you know, Uh, otherwise you might get what's called adverse selection and folks will just jump on that train and uh, as, as they leave the station of life, so to speak. Wow. That's really true. Well, from your vantage point, Amanda, um, are there any developments or shifts or new insights into the landscape of underwriting that you feel like might impact people as they look into the bank on yourself strategy here this year and in the coming years? Yeah, I'll talk about a, kind of a maybe a, a downside to people that are thinking about a common competitor to bank on yourself, and then I'll talk about an upside for the bank on yourself side. One of the things that a lot of people have found fascinating over the last 30 plus years is the whole indexed universal life IUL. You've got some great episodes about those that people should totally listen to. The one thing I learned this year is that there's a lot of people who are kind of that adverse selection. They have term policies that are convertible. They're converting them into IUL, indexed universal life policies, so that they can get as cheap of death benefit that's you know, that's guaranteed for a certain number of years, even if their cash value goes to zero, those kind of things. So it's actually made those policies more expensive. And the, the, with how those policies work, how those contracts are built, the life insurance company can change the premiums due to the fees anytime time they want to. They're starting to actually do that. Maybe I lost that. So, so you're saying that there's term insurance policyholders out there who are looking at their prospects of the term insurance premiums going sky high because maybe it's going to expire at some point. And so they're converting not to whole life insurance, but to index universal life insurance. Now, uh, conversion, uh, life insurance can be converted. Guys, listen to episode 187 if you want to hear more about how the term can be converted to a, a cash value life insurance product. But Amanda, what you're saying is Rather than converting to a whole life policy, which is what I recommended in episode 187, 
they're going to uh, the index universal life dark side. And why is that a problem? Say that again, please. Yeah, because the fees that can be charged there by the life insurance company can be changed anytime. And because so many of this of this adverse selection has been happening and people have been moving to universal life from term life to I've heard from multiple companies that those they're actually seeing more people die with universal life than they thought they would. So mm. they're having to increase those fees at a higher rate than they thought they might need to. And that that's a problem. <laughs> that's yeah. what you're counting on because now you've got to pay more for the same death benefit and your cash value could still go to zero like you've talked about in previous episodes. You're right. That's that is a a problem a I guess a code problem that's a like embedded deep into the matrix of of the insurance industry problem that you can go over to an IUL with a after ex, an expiring term policy you might have been approved for that term policy cuz they thought you'd live longer than the 10 years that the term is going to last but you may not last much longer after that for example but now you've got this IUL that has a giant death benefit for a minimum you know IUL premium you pass away that's a big big problem to the insurance company and you're saying that now insurance company and i remember being in that room with you amanda when they disclosed this that one of the companies that we're aware of is going to have to increase their iul thankfully we don't recommend iul to our clients but uh the iul premiums are going up for for those that have to buy the iul contract so yeah that's a really good point i hadn't thought of that you know i was thinking you know some of the some of the big changes in underwriting uh, related to like not even having to get a medical exam through the accelerated underwriting program. That's a little positive news. So what is the accelerated underwriting program, Amanda, for those who may not know? Yeah. So this is if your death benefit is under a certain maximum, if you're, you've got some, maybe some recent medical history that can be found, you're, you're being a regular, you know, the annual checkups, those kind of things, you can get approved for accelerated underwriting. You don't have to go do a medical exam. You don't have to give blood, you know, anything like that. And you can be approved for the policy and start much quicker. Part like, of what makes that like two possible. Two weeks or less, yeah. right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And part of what makes that possible is exactly the same thing that gives us the my chart, some of that medical information that's available and easily accessible in electronic records. That's mm. a huge time saver for whole life insurance and the underwriting process in general. Now, I have to wrap us up because you said that there's a positive to the whole life side. Back to now going back to the IUL, I want to hear what yours is. Uh, why is this a good deal for whole life contract holders? The positive that I was going to mention was all the electronic medical records that are starting to be available. And uh, even if they can't see all the details, they can see at least enough that they might be able to not have to request an attending physician statement, not have oh, to request the detailed medical records, that that seems to be a great positive without approving people that shouldn't be approved to do these kinds of policies without harming the profitability, the dividends that I get to receive every year Amanda. and that you know, every policyholder does. That's awesome. Well, you know, I, I had thought in my mind, the IUL piece is still stuck in my brain. You see, as I said, you always leave me with a smile and wrinkles in my brain. So I like both of those things, but Amanda, now you've got me thinking the more IUL contracts that fail, that's terrible news for the policyholders that that lost them. But that's great news for the whole life contract holders at the same company who are the owners of that insurance company. They don't, they meaning the insurance company won't have to pay a large liability to the 
policyholders who lapsed it and unfortunately chose an IUL contract. If they had only gotten a whole life insurance contract issued from a mutual life insurance company, they would be a part of the owner class, not the asset class of that insurance company. So be sure, guys, as you're listening to this, that you work with Amanda and set up a bank on yourself designed whole life insurance policy. Be aware of other lookalikes and um, those that would like to sell you the the sizzle without the stake. So Amanda, as we wrap up here, how can folks find you to make sure that they've done this correctly and help slide them through the underwriting tunnel of chaos like a grease slide? <laughs> yeah, I'll do my best uh, to to help people through without a lot of hiccups. Um, and I've got a great team behind me that also helps with that. You can find all of us at wealthwisdomfp.com. That's wealthwisdomf as in financial, p as in podcast.com. We've got a great podcast that we'd love you to listen to as well. You can find it anywhere you're listening to the Not Your Average Financial Podcast. And you know, I'm a subscriber, Amanda. I listen every week. So you guys are doing a great job. I love what you're doing. So thank you for your work and thanks for coming on today. Thank you, Mark. I'd listen to every episode of yours too. Thank you, Amanda, for coming on the show today and for sharing your wisdom and your insights. Again, everybody, please check out Five Smooth Stones. It's a financial planning journal that you can take. Learn more about yourself, what your mindset around money looks like, and tactical strategies that you can use to get you on the way, not just to Paris, but to anywhere else you might want to take a trip on because you've successfully saved your money and uh, you're ready to roll. So what are some other takeaway action items you can take as a result of listening to today's podcast? One, definitely educate yourself. If you're getting ready to apply for a bank on yourself type policy, understand that underwriting is a process, but it's supposed to be as painless as possible. You know, don't assume that you won't qualify for a bank on yourself policy if you've had a couple of medical issues. Oftentimes there are ways around that. That's the first takeaway. So educate yourself around the underwriting process. Second, find a bank on yourself professional like Amanda Neely or myself who can guide you through that underwriting process and, and truly be an advocate for you. We can usually make the process feel a lot more like a greased slide and less like, you know, you're fighting your way through a bunch of paperwork and doctor's appointments and so forth. Uh, In fact, there's several programs, including the Accelerated Underwriting Program that we can help introduce you to that can skip the medical exam entirely. Uh, Next up, be sure that the long-term implications of your life insurance is, you know, well worth it. You know, you can go through this underwriting process and end up with, unfortunately, an indexed universal life policy, which might end up causing you a lot more pain than pleasure. You might end up, instead of going to Paris, you might end up in the wrong side of the planet uh, with an IUL, an indexed universal life policy. Uh, So by taking a few of these steps and really understanding that there is a process involved and being patient as we go through that process, you can make an informed decision and navigate the underwriting process much more effectively as you make your way toward your bank on yourself future. So that's it. Thank you everyone for delving into this concept with me and Amanda. Thank you everyone for joining me for this week's episode of Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think and live differently with your money, your economy, and your future. This has been another episode of the Not Your Average Financial Podcast. To join a financial revolution and start thinking different about money, go to www.nyafinancialpodcast.com and click Request a Meeting. The topics presented in this podcast are for general information only. 
and not for the purposes of providing legal, accounting, or investment advice. On such matters, please consult a professional who knows your specific situation.